has to be said, um, I'm not very good at fishing. My mother used to take me fishing when I was uh, much younger, and it has to be said, the only thing that we managed to catch was one small eel from Exeter Canal. Uh, not really enough to feed a family, um, let alone uh, a hungry horde of disciples. However, there is one occasion in my life where I've caught a decent amount of fish. We used to live in Torquay, and one of the joys of Torquay was having some kayaks and being able to go out on the water. And uh, we managed, we had a, a double kayak like this, which was designed for two adults. That meant that you could get two adults and two small boys on it, which was excellent for a day uh, at sea. Um, some friends of ours also bought a boat uh, exactly the same, and this is a picture of us out at sea with eight of us on two kayaks. Um, quite good fun, not necessarily that safe. On one occasion, uh, me, Matt, and Tom went out on uh, the boat like this. Some simple lines, no fish. Sun shining, beautiful day, paddling round the rocks in Torquay. Still no fish, sun shining. And then suddenly, there's a tug at the line. We pull it up, and there's four or five fish on it. Pull them off, drop them in the middle of the boat. I'm trying to do the fish in as you do. Lines go back down, fish come out. Lines go down, fish come out for about 20 minutes boat full of fish we lost count as to how many we had and there were so many fish I tried to take them home we, you know, mackerel is best cooked the same day in butter, open fire it's a bit of silver foil or open or even on a grill when you get home but there were so many, I had to freeze them we were eating fish for months in the gospels there is this thread of Jesus having called some fishermen to follow him. And all the way through, there's this little echo of Jesus having called people who knew how to fish to catch fish. And where we meet them today, they've just had this incredible encounter with the King of Kings. He has appeared to the disciples not once but twice um, and because the uh, Gospels are not necessarily very good at counting the women, at this point some of the women might well have seen him three times even though the fellows have only seen him twice. On the second occasion, Thomas pipes up and says, My Lord, my God. You know, as you look at some of the Gospels, those little phrases where people clearly identify who Jesus is, those are the phrases to take people back to when they're questioning who Jesus is. Because you know, at that moment, if they'd got it wrong, if Jesus' plan and purpose had been something very different, look, I am just a prophet I'm just a good teacher. 
That's all I am. I'm only human. That would have been the moment to say it, wouldn't it? (laughs) And you know what? He didn't. Because he was fully God in human form. Fully God. This is Jesus who was there at the creation of the world. Through him, everything that has been made was made. And they've had this incredible encounter where they've seen him killed on a cross and now they've seen him raised from the dead. He's appeared in the room through the locked doors. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He reminds them that they are sent. He instructs them to forgive sins. But that was yesterday or the day before. And now, now what do they do? So some bright spark has the idea, hey, we'll go back and we'll fish. Maybe they're thinking it's a one-off. Maybe they're thinking that we're going to have to take our old jobs back, boys. What do you do when you're in the gap? What do you do when you're feeling disappointed, when you're not seeing those things worked through that you dreamed of, either in your family or in your career or in your Christian faith. What do you do? What do you do when you see the wonders of the New Testament and the Kingdom of God expanding, yet everything we're told in the media is that in the West the church is shrinking? Where's your go-to place? What do you do when you're confused? and stressed out. Where do you go when you don't know where to go? For the disciples, for some of them, it was, let's get back out on the water. We know how to do this. We know how to catch fish. But anyway, it wasn't a good night and they don't catch anything And then in the morning after the fishing supposed to have been done, they hear this voice calling across the water, instructing them. But they don't recognize him, at least not consciously, because somehow they didn't recognize him, yet they did do what he said. It's really interesting that even in this place where they're not necessarily, and you don't want to read into it too deeply, but they're not necessarily following the plan, he still calls them friends. He reaches out to them, even though they've kind of gone off into their, their hiding place, their safe place, the things they know, he still calls them friends. And it's always how he addresses us. Even when we stumble and fall, he comes alongside as a loving father, as a friend, in compassion and grace. 
somehow they respond to the nudge and they put their nets out and they bring in this massive count of fish. We know it's exactly 153 because they counted them. You know, I, I thought it's always good to, whenever you come up with a biblical number, it's always good to look up just in case there's any special significance about the number. Do you know what's special about this number? There was 153 fish. That's what's significant about it. As far as I can tell, and I think uh, this is me nicking it from the scholars, you can try and do some really interesting maths to make it, wait, make it work with the feeding of the 5,000 and times uh, all sorts of... Compl- really, the significance is there were 153 fish. So many that they bothered to count them. Don't forget the 153rd one. Anyway, Jesus calls them out from where they are and he's got this barbecue prepared for them already. He's already got the fire on. He's already got the fish on the barbie. He's already got the bread cooking. And yet he bothers to get them to catch 153 more fish. You see, fishing is significant. In Mark chapter 1 verse 17, we see that initial call of the disciples. Come and follow me. This is the call that Simon, who became Peter, had. Come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. In Luke's version, we get a little bit more. Jesus decides to teach from Simon's boat. And then the instruction comes, um, Simon put out into deep water for a catch. Simon should have said no. It's the wrong time of day. The catch that comes in is so large that day that the boats are beginning to sink. Why does Jesus bother to do this? I think he's wanting to give them a down payment so that they can follow him for the next few years. You see, I don't know what the deal was with the boats, but, you know, it was probably like most things are. They probably had to hire them from someone. And they walk away from two boatloads of fish that day. And they leave them at the shore. I think they've got a lot of credit in the bank somewhere to draw on. But there's another fishing story in Matthew chapter 17, verse 27. Peter, then called Peter, is with Jesus in the temple and there's this conversation about temple tax. You know, should we pay this or not? What's going on? And so... Peter gets sent down to the shore with his line. Go back and look it. He's still got a fishing line. They're at the temple, but he's got a fishing line on him. He's sent to the lake to go and catch a fish. 
And the first one he catches, there's a four drachma coin in its mouth. And that coin is used to pay the tax, the temple tax for Jesus and for Peter. What, what do we take all of this? From all, I think that Jesus is really precise about fishing. You know, if he wants you to catch one fish with a coin in its mouth, a particular one, so you can pay the temple tax, he can arrange that. If he wants you to catch a boatload, or a couple of boatloads, so that you can have a down payment, so you, you, you've got the confidence to follow him for a few years, he can arrange that. If he wants you to catch an irrelevant number of fish that happens to be 153... He can arrange that. But it's not just 153, it's the ones that he's already got on the barbie. There's a whole load of things we could take from this story. Firstly, Jesus is raised from the dead. How awesome is that? He's raised from the dead and he's interested in ordinary things like fishing and business and breakfast. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. Especially if he can do a good breakfast. We have taken, by the way, you know, if you ever want to drop in on a Saturday morning, feel free. We've taken to doing the biggest breakfast we possibly can. But I don't don't know whether it beats breakfast on a beach, does it? There's something different about that. One of the things that we could take from this story is provision. You know, Jesus provides because there's another fish story isn't there and it's the fish story of the feeding of the 5,000 what have we got how can we feed all these people go and see how many loaves there are oh there are five loaves and just two little fish everyone got to eat maybe maybe it's about provision But I think there's something else here. I think Jesus is very specifically reminding them of what he's called them to. He is reminding them what all of this is about. That he has charged them with catching fish or catching people. And that he does so in an incredibly dramatic way to remind them how he likes to catch fish. Folks, I think that we are in a a poverty mindset in the church in the West. And the poverty mindset is this. You know, the stats say that the C of E is declining 1% a year every year since World War II. And All Saints is not immune from that. We've got a plan as to how we can try and grow things, but we're not immune for that. And we're not a, we haven't turned that round yet. It was great that on Tuesday, uh, sorry, on Wednesday, there were six folks at the access course, all of whom are relatively new to All Saints, who are wanting to find out more, who are wanting to grow and strengthen their faith. It's a wonderful thing, but you know, we're not there yet. I think we have this positive, uh, this poverty mindset where what we think is that we have to go out with our line 
and go and hunt for one little fish that doesn't really want to be caught. You know, in Jesus' model of fishing, the fish are desperate to be caught. There's a fish at the, in the lake with a coin in its mouth going, get out of the way, the rest of the fish. I'm the one. Jesus has given me a mission. I've got the coin that's going to pay the temple tax. Catch me. When he calls the disciples, there's a boatload, couple of boatloads of fish to the point where the nets are going to bust. At the end of the story, there's 153 fish just waiting on the other side of the boat to be caught. You know how fishermen catch fish? They look at the surface of the water and they have a big net and dependent on which bit of history you read depends on how um, the disciples might have been fishing. But one of the ways that they might have done it is that you you spot a, a, a school of fish and you send two boats out and the net goes down and you encircle the whole school of fish. And then you throw a net over the top in order to stop them jumping out. And you pull in the whole school of fish. If there had been a school of fish there just on the other side of the boat, they would have known about it. Jesus can see where there are fish to be caught, where we can see nothing. You know... I have to hold on to, and I encourage you to do this too. Yes, the reality of what we see in the Western world at the moment. That this is tough. That the tide seems to be turning against the Christian faith. We have to hold the reality of that at the same time as knowing that we believe in a God who was raised from the dead who's defeated death once and for all, who is determined to catch people and include them in his kingdom, and that he can do it en masse and in a moment. Do you know why I have to have that kind of faith? And I encourage you to have it too. Because that's the kind of God that we believe in. So folks, what's the mission? Last weekend we put um, this cross up, if the picture will come up, on top of the hill and that's the view before the cross went up of the top end of Weston. What's the mission? The mission is for every single person in Weston to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and in Canesham, and in South Bristol, and in Corsham, and every place that we live. And I wonder if you would just take a moment with me now to pray. And to think about a person, or to think about your road, or your workplace, And if you're willing, a simple prayer to pray.
risen Jesus. You are better at fishing than I am. But I am willing to follow your lead. And invite others in the power of the Spirit to follow you. Lord, teach me to catch fish in your name. Amen.